Hello, and welcome back to the Curious One podcast. My name is Emma Krebs. I created this podcast to be able to have conversations that were lacking through my daily interactions, as I always felt the longing to dive deeper. This space is for meaningful conversations that I hope help to broaden my perspectives and maybe even yours as well. So we're, we're here now. We're going we're gonna to start this conversation for the third time. Um, I was just kind of going down memory lane on trying to rack my brain of how I came across you and your page. And I, I, I realized I love illustration. So I think that's what kind of kept me on your page. Thank and you. I think it was a therapist that I follow from my hometown who I don't know shared one of your posts. I'm just going to yeah. assume that because I know that's like one of our mutual, like someone I yeah. follow that follows you. Maybe back um, in 2020 when, back, I, yeah. I think so. Dang, that wasn't really You started it in 2020. Yeah. 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 Like honestly, it would have been during yeah. the pandemic. I think I just started my almost podcast. Wait, like officially crazy. almost. Been two- that is, that is crazy. Whoa. Congrats. Thank you so much. <laughs> so so you run a page on a sexu honest sexuality. Like yes. what is that? Where did the name come from? Because I think the name's so good. Um and like what what was kind of the inspiration to start that page? Oh boy. Okay. Back in 2020. I feel like <laughs> recounting things in the year that it happened has just become a blur the last like three years. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anything before 2019, I'm like, I I have no idea. Um, back in 2019, my partner and I, we've been dating since we were 15 and 16, which is kind of crazy. And we grew up, we met at a Mennonite high school, shockingly. And wow. yeah, <laughs> crazy. So we have a lot of religious <laughs> fun, shame. Things to unpack. Yeah. yeah good stuff. <laughs> um, I can't wait. <laughs> great. Um, back in 2019, we actually broke up for a bit because we were kind of having this like relationship dilemma with like, we felt like our only options were either get married or break up because a lot of our friends were religious. And that's kind of what we were feeling were our only options. Like it wasn't an option to move in together for whatever reason, because of our upbringing, like we weren't even super religious at that time. And during our breakup, we took some time apart and we came back and we we're like, I don't think I'm a Christian anymore. And started having like all these conversations, which led to 2020 we moved in together it was a lockdown we were just like hardcore deconstructing everything and I was like I want to do this for a living like why doesn't this exist like there's sex therapists who you go and talk to about sex but there seemed like there wasn't something specific for like I have religious shame what do I do with it like how do I work through it and so I signed up and started taking a course to become a sex educator and sex coach and during that time, I thought of the name just randomly one day. I thought of honest sexuality and I made the handle right away because it wasn't taken. And then I just started making posts as I was going through my course. And it was kind of my passion project in 2020. Also, it just kind of gave me joy, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever we had in 2020 yeah. that gave us joy. I was like this, I need this. And it was fun because, yeah, we were like deconstructing so much and learning. And it was just the two of us. Like we were super isolated during 2020. So it was really fun just have someone who was going through that with like me and so that was kind of how it all started yeah (laughs) that is that just thinking about kind of like that chapter of your life I I knew that it was like 
because we briefly talked about it and I read like your bio, you mentioned um, like growing up in a religious community and having shame and things like that. But just you explaining all of that, that sounds like the most, like the biggest identity crisis almost. Like that sounds like overwhelming, just questioning your relationship, questioning your um, like religious views or your spirituality, like which ties so deeply into your identity. Sounds like your community. If you grew up in a religious community and now this relationship, your best friend, like now you guys yeah. are figuring out your identity and then oh uh, now the world's shutting down. Like yes. that just sounds that, that gives me anxiety just talking about I that. I honestly think the pandemic was helpful for us. Hot take kind of liked being locked down. Didn't like the circumstances, didn't like people dying, yeah. didn't like people getting sick, obviously. But I think I mean, we've been best friends at that point for like nine years and it was kind of like being in an incubator that was really great Mm. because we didn't have a lot of outside voices talking to us, which was really cool. So we kind of just got to like bullshit with each other on everything. We're like, this is a safe place. We can like digest everything we need to digest as we're going through it. And like, that was really cool. Cause I think I'm a people pleaser and like over the course of my life and that time, which also I think comes from being a woman growing up in religion, you know? Um, Mm. and I think not having to like talk to anyone else about the experience we were having, except for when we wanted to talk about it felt really good. It felt like a lot of, a lot less pressure to be able to figure ourselves out. And I feel like it honestly expedited that experience a bit because like I got to figure out my language and like how I felt before I had to articulate it to other people versus like if it would have been normal life I think it would have kind of spread out that process a lot longer Mm. you know because you would have had like Mm it would have been like going to work normally and meeting up with friends normally and like have all these other things kind of being distractions but like that got to be the main focus which is a privilege and is wonderful like it was fabulous but yeah, I kind of liked that. I think it made it less anxiety. And I'm sure that might be some people's worst nightmare. But I think for us, <laughs> because we like, we're really, we both preferred that. So it just worked, you know, <laughs> but it was yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. No, I, I, I honestly, so this was another, that was a whole point I wanted to talk to you about because I read in literally just like one post, I had seen you re, uh, wrote, like, I've been with my partner for this amount of years. We've actually broken up. And it was just a small point in like a really long caption, but mm-hmm. I, I wrote it down as something I wanted to talk to you about because uh-huh. I've actually had the same experience in my relationship yeah. where we've been dating for about like four years now and we broke up, like we kind of broke up one time when we like less than a year into our relationship. It was just, I had a meltdown, <laughs> but we like had a proper breakup about uh, maybe like two years into our relationship. And to this day, we talk about it was the best thing that ever happened to us. And especially since, like, I don't know exactly your age, but you seem around the same age as myself or Mm -hmm. my partner. And, like, I can't imagine meeting someone at 15, but it's like we grow and change. And so one of the – like, that – the whole breakup thing within a a long-term relationship and – that is something that I could unpack and talk about for hours. But I think, like, one of the main things is – I don't know. And and this is, this might be me just not being ignorant, but I don't know. I just see a lot of people that are in long-term relationships Mm -hmm. that begin at a really young age, almost like default into the relationship. Whereas I find the breakups or the breaks sometimes provide the opportunity in the space. And you could still do this within the relationship to kind of like Mm reevaluate and figure out who you are through these like pivotal chapters of your life yeah and then to come back and be like hey this is actually who I am now at this age 
who are you? Do I still want to be in a relationship with yeah. you? Do you still want to be in a relationship with me? And then you, like my partner said, we say that we didn't get back together. Like yeah. we built a new relationship from yeah. there. And yeah. so, I love yeah, that. I think it's great. Yeah. It is. I think too, it's like how society talks about breakups is really shitty because I think it's often framed in this way that like one person has to be right. One person has to be wrong. There has to be like a problem. And that's why you break yep. up. And sometimes it's not, I feel like most of the time it's not that black and white. Like our quote, like problem was we just felt stuck. And like, that also was at a very pivotal time. Like, I think we broke up when we were 23 or 20, he was 23 and I was 24, which is like one of the weirdest, arguably one of the weirdest ages to be like, you think you're kind of like, I'm 24. This is so comforting because I, I am having honestly, literally before this conversation, not going to lie. I was downstairs having an identity crisis with my boyfriend and I was like, let's a put lot. a pin in this. Cause I'm going to go record a podcast, but I was like, uh, babe, can we go on a walk? Cause I'm having, he's a coach. And I'm like, I, you need to coach me because I'm having an identity coach me through this right now. Get me Literally. No, I got six minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is like, it's, I think like 18 to 23, you're kind of convinced you're like, for, this is like stereotyping, obviously yeah, Gener- yeah, yeah. like the general 18 to 23 population is like, I'm the shit. I know what I'm doing. Independence. It's great. And then you hit 24. Most people are like graduating college or like officially out on their own. And you're like, who the fuck am I? And you're kind of also figuring out like, what do I believe? Because I think oftentimes, Mm. like if you're surrounded by friends in your early twenties, you kind of don't question a lot of that stuff if you have community. And so I think it's sometimes the first time that you're like, oh, like what is going on? So for us, I think it was more of a we were getting stuck in conversations because we cared so much about each other. Like we didn't want to hurt each other, but we weren't quite mm. matching up. Like he kind of started his deconstruction process way before me. And I was like literally a house church leader. Like I was leading a group of girls like every week in my home. And like, I was kind of having this identity crisis more so. Like I think his was way just more gradual. And mine was just like, oh fuck like am I a fraud like if I'm like leading this house church and I don't believe these things and like all so I think all that was hitting me and it was coming out and just me being like honestly the worst at the time and so I was we were just like we need to break up like we need to break up to kind of see who we are for a minute on our own because even if a relationship is really great I think sometimes and it's not like it's not like you can't grow with somebody I think sometimes there's Mm -hmm. specific growing situations where it needs to happen on your own it's like you mm-hmm. can you go into like a little cocoon and like reevaluate yourself and I was definitely feeling the calling for that at the time I was like something is like I just need to be alone and then I was literally alone all summer like I saw friends a little bit but I was like I'm just gonna be alone for like the first time in my life and it honestly was great <laughs> for me <laughs> like I missed him so Don't. much and like he's still my best friend but it also was like definitely necessary for where I am today probably yeah yeah and it makes you like appreciate the relationship and the other person so much more yeah and I don't know about you but it's like I don't have resentment towards my partner or like I don't feel um like not overwhelmed or like smothered but it's like I have the space to be myself and and it's, it's also something that like I think relationships 
like especially long-term relationships it's like every day i wake up and decide so so does my partner to be in the relationship yeah. right i mean i'm i'm someone who like i don't personally align with marriage but i i understand for other people and like yeah. that's just that's just me and so part of the reason why is because it's like well no like i i want my partner to be with me because mm-hmm. because they're choosing to right yeah. but i know that's a whole thing in, in itself um there's something else I wanted to add to that, but I, it, you bring up the word incubator just on, on another note. I find it so funny because I, I have been using that word literally for the, <laughs> since June, I, I call my friend, I have one of my friends and we've established that I'm in this like creativity, like incubator mm. at the moment where I am having an identity crisis, like all these things <laughs> in my Thank life. Thank you for that inviting was, me into your identity yeah. crisis. <laughs> And I'm just like, what are the odds? Like, this is completely not uh, completely off topic, but I'm like, okay, this is it's like it's like parallel, but not like meshing. Just the more I I talk to you, I'm like, okay, you're getting cooler and cooler the more I talk to you. Thank you so much. And, yeah, and um, yeah, it's just funny because I feel like I'm in this like I call it the creativity incubator, but yeah. it's definitely like an identity one because I've had this like I I told you briefly like I've moved and yeah. Um, I've had just like a lot of changes in my life and a lot of things have come to fruition and now I'm just like, okay, what now? Yeah. And so, yeah, I literally, I'm the same. I, I don't have friends cause I just moved to a new town. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time alone, but it's been, it's been great. Yeah. It's been a good experience. It's been crazy and confusing, but it's been great. So, yeah. um, I want to, can we dive more into like what your incubator phase was? Like yeah. you said you spent a lot of time alone. What, um, what kind of things were you doing in that alone time or what were you thinking about? Um, oh yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. It's juicy. <laughs> well, I think, okay. So during that time, it was kind of complicated. Like I, I was living before in a house with three other girls and my partner was living in a house with three other guys and everyone was dating each other almost besides two, mm. like, people so one person yeah. from my house and one person from his house weren't dating but everyone else was dating each other and like I loved all of them like they were all my friends but that was literally my worst nightmare because like I'm very outgoing but I also really love chill time and it was like anytime I was at my house there was boys there from the other house and anytime I went to John's house there was like girls there from my house so I felt like I my world had like no mm. so I was like I need to move out like I have to go like I I have to go so I moved out right when we broke up and I moved in with like someone I was relatively good friends with, but we didn't have the same social circles or anything. So like it was way better of like, you know, boundaries and how hanging out worked. Um, and it was kind of the first time. So I, my partner and I, because we grew up super religious, like waited a really, really long time to have vaginal sex. And that was something that like we thought was a sin for like a really long time. And then when we broke up, I still had like never masturbated in my life. And I was 23 years old because Mm. I just thought it was bad. And so when we broke up, I felt like it was my first, like I'm going to experience like pleasure. Like it was not just in a sexual way, but I was trying to like redefine like my needs because I often felt like in religion there you kind of glorify suffering in religion a little bit I feel like like the more that you deny like earthly pleasures quote like it 
kind of makes you closer to God or whatever. And so I feel like there was mm-hmm. always this part of me being someone who was a people pleaser and who naturally liked to help people that like, I just was like, I don't really deserve nice things <laughs> a little bit. Mm. And so I think it was like a summer of me just experiencing pleasure. Like I started masturbating. I literally, which this just goes to show you how ridiculous me and John are, but I was still sharing Amazon Prime with John and I was like I can't order a fucking vibrator off of Amazon or he's gonna know that I'm like masturbating so I like made an Amazon account for a day ordered a vibrator it got delivered and then I canceled my account I love that (laughs) so that was fun started doing that I started like taking myself on dates so there was this so funny there's this like mexican restaurant at this mall with a movie theater that had a free nacho bar if you got margaritas so i would go get two margaritas and free nachos and then i'd go take myself to see a movie and i did that like multiple times a week like i was like this is this is what i'm doing so i feel like was- you hacked the system that sounds that sounds amazing <laughs> so I, just, like, like, read, I was I read, too. reading all the harry potter books too so i would, like sit at the bar by myself drinking margaritas and reading Harry Potter and eating nachos. It was pretty good, actually. I actually think about that a lot. I kind of miss that. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was kind of discovering pleasure and enjoyment by myself, like truly for the first time in like confronting why I felt shame about those things. Because mm. like, why is the phrase guilty pleasure a thing like that those two things don't go together like if something's pleasurable why should we feel guilty about it and kind of just letting myself feel good just for the sake of feeling good and like getting comfortable with that and I honestly think that's what that whole summer consisted of for me was just pleasure (laughs) Mm -hmm. that was what Mm -hmm. I did a lot of was exploring that (laughs) I think that's amazing even like um do you do you are you familiar with like masculine feminine energy mm-hmm. like it's just like leaning into the feminine and just enjoying life the pleasure even and then like obviously the feminine energy is like sensuality sexual mm-hmm. expression right receiving so it's like receiving like allowing yourself yeah. to go for nachos and allowing yourself to get a vibrator <laughs> vibrator and everything yeah. can i ask like what as you were unpacking and this might be too broad of a question but yeah. like what were some of the things that were coming up for you of like um you feeling a certain way and then being like, oh, I see the connection of where that came from. Because mm-hmm. the reason I ask is because I grew up, um, my family was relig- religious until I was about 12. And with that, um, I got enrolled in a really small private school, a Christian school. Yeah. And so like people say they're like, oh, I went to a Catholic school. We had, um, I don't know much about that religion but like they'll have they'll go to church every month they'll go to mass every month i'm like no 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 like we had devotions every morning for a half an hour we'd pray mm-hmm. like multiple times a day yeah. a two-hour chapel every week and then christian education classes two for hours. an hour three times yeah three times a week and then my family was also going to church on the weekend like it was just a lot yeah. right and and um i didn't have much exposure to other communities or other circles outside of my school mm. as well like I, I I didn't do much as a kid until I got a bit like into my teens yeah. like if that makes sense like yeah. extracurricular activities and things 
So, um, although my family wasn't religious by the time I was like 12 or 13, my dad kind of started questioning things. I was in a very heavily religious community and space and, and the school was small. So these people knew my family, they knew me, they knew my, my siblings, like on a personal level, like the teachers and things. And so that's my little backstory. And so now I'm 24 and I still feel so much shame. I was actually talking about it with my partner Mm -hmm. like a couple weeks ago. He was like, I never realized how much shame you've had and like how Mm -hmm. different our lives have been kind of. And like, I'm same with you. Like I didn't watch porn for the first time until I was probably 21. And even when I did Mm -hmm. that, it was like groundbreaking. I watched one video. I felt so much shame. I felt Mm -hmm horrible I like closed my computer like hid my computer under my bed like couldn't Mm -hmm. even like look in the mirror and and obviously I've I've come since then but anyways back to bringing it back to like what that question was was there like main things that like you kind of realized when you were Mm -hmm. unpacking that on your journey yeah I think a lot of what I felt in regards to that honestly happened before when like John and I would do things like I remember in high school if we did something sexual even though we weren't having like penetrative sex we were doing like everything else because that wasn't a sin apparently (laughs) but but I remember like we would do things sometimes and then we would like pray afterwards like we felt so bad Mm. that we would like together like pray about it and I think that bled into college years too together and then this is like the funniest thing I think is just we were also both such responsible kids that it got to a point where we were like like it was like John's senior year of college we're like do we think sex is a sin and we were like we really didn't know like we were like well if we don't know then maybe it isn't like if we're feeling this way maybe it isn't but we (laughs) then we decided to wait to have sex until after we graduated college because we were like well if I accidentally get pregnant we want to wait until we're stable enough to raise a child together because obviously wow. didn't believe in abortions at that time either. And we're like, what, what are we doing? Like, why is that the conversation? And that's like also lack of sex education, like not knowing, yeah. you know, how yeah. <laughs> easy it is to not get pregnant sometimes if you have education, but we didn't have any education growing up. And it's just, yeah, I think working through knowing what we wanted I think was an interesting thing like what felt good but then trying to make ourselves feel like those things don't feel good because of other people I think I cared a lot what other people thought of me especially since I was leading a house church and I was always like I was like student body president in high school and I always felt like I had eyes on me to be like a good example Mm. so I think that added to the pressure I honestly don't know when I stopped thinking sex was a sin versus like not wanting people to think I was bad. Like, I think if that makes sense, like I Mm -hmm. felt like I was kind of in this role of like, I need to be a good example for other people and people tell me that this is bad. So I can't do it sort of thing more than Mm -hmm. it was like a shame thing. Cause I think it felt more like guilt. Like, cause what is the, Brene Mm. Brown says like shame is I I am bad guilt is I did something bad and it seemed a lot more like guilt to me like oh I did something bad like if someone finds out about this they're gonna think I'm not a good example anymore sort of thing Mm. so I think it was Mm. like kind of 
realizing that because I was always told I was supposed to feel shameful about these things. And I definitely did for a long time in high school. But I think once I reached like adulthood, there was kind of a shift in that of like, I just have to be a good example. Like I can't be a house church leader with all these like younger girls that come meet me and be doing these things and not feel bad about them. It's like, I would feel bad for not feeling bad. I would shame myself Mm. for not feeling guilty. That makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. that whole thing. And I think it's interesting because once I started masturbating, like I think I was just so ready. Like, I feel like I was finally rebelling. Like, I'm not rebelling. Like, pleasure is not rebelling. But, like, it felt (laughs) rebellious to, it felt really good to just, like, unlock myself, kind of. Like, that's literally what it felt like. I felt like I was, even though I'd been having sex for years and, like, sexual interactions for years, I felt like I was just, like, unlocking a whole new part of myself. Like, actually letting my sexual identity be free kind of or my like sexual Mm -hmm. expression be free I guess instead of like feeling like sex was only for me and other people um yeah I don't know I think it's kind of an interesting like thing to think about when it happened but I definitely think it shifted from shame to guilt probably in my early 20s Mm yeah yeah that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like when I first read, I just find this so fascinating that we're talking about this. Like, I'm so glad we're talking about this. I, because when I reached out to you, I didn't even think this was a thing, like that we were going to talk about this. Yeah. And I, I, and maybe I'm not looking for it because I'm sure, like, like the work you're doing and things like that, like, there definitely is spaces for it. But I don't know. Like, I, I know there is a, a lot more conversation around sex, sexual expression and, um, pleasure but this whole religious piece to it and like it just um yeah I just think it needs to be talked about more so I'm like real I'm really happy that we're we're talking about this is um can I ask you like your like do you still identify with like the religious communities you're in Mm -hmm. and like was how was like your family and your community as as you guys kind of made these shifts also if you don't want to talk about that literally no no problem I'm happy to talk about it okay um I think one thing that did help again was kind of COVID because everyone was kind of separated from their communities to an extent during that time. So I think us moving away from, because at the time when we broke up and everything, we were living in Nashville. And so we moved home um, during COVID and we're living on like John's parents' farm and it was like really small and we were like just super isolated from everyone. So I think that kind of helped because by the time we were starting to have these conversations with people, we were a lot more sure of how we felt instead Mm -hmm. of, because I think that was something like I always felt insecure about was like, I didn't want to talk about something I was grappling with because I've often felt like my voice is so like, you know, quiet and sweet. So I feel like people don't take me seriously often. So I was like, I want to know how I feel about this before I go into these conversations because I I don't know if that makes sense. Like I wanted to feel confident yeah. going into them. Oh, and, yeah. and do you think, can I ask yeah. a question on that? Yeah. Cause like for me, I like the people you're talking about people pleasing and things like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that. Um, I think for myself and I don't know if it's open-mindedness, but I, I am open-minded, but I also like value other people's perspective. Yeah. And so you almost like, I would put a boundary up because I don't want to get swayed and be like, yes. okay, well no, but what, how do I feel? Do you think that was playing into it too? Yes, like definitely. I think 
I was very easily influenced growing up because I wanted to see, seem the first word that popped in my head was obedient. And I don't know if that actually clicks or if it does, but something along those lines, like I wanted to seem good and I wanted to seem reliable to a sense also. And I wanted to seem, yeah, like I was a people pleaser. So I think part of what I really valued about our lockdown experience was like, I didn't have to please anybody. Like I pleased John by just being his friend and being there with him, like, and having these conversations. So I think I was nervous to start sharing my feelings and what I've been going through with people. Cause I didn't want people to be like, Oh, like that's drastic. Like this is a phase or like all these things that I was really nervous that people were going to say to me. But I think since also the last like three years have been insane with like 2020 alone was like black lives matter and the election and just like everything. Like, I think a lot of people were evaluating themselves and doing really hard work. And I think that really helped too. Cause there was a lot of people who kind of were going, once I started having conversations with them, were going through similar changes and like Mm -hmm. kind of tearing down their whole belief system and figuring out how to like rebuild something new out of all the rubble. And so I think, yeah, I was definitely afraid of that. But luckily for me, my family's not super religious. They're conservative, but they're not religious. So the religious aspect of it wasn't horrible for them. I think um, my partner's family is, but his family is incredible. And like, we have told them like, we're not Christians anymore. And this is how we feel about it and why. And they just like, listen and receive us and they're like okay great we just want you to be happy and so like that's really great so I feel like we've gotten really lucky in regards to like how people have kind of received us feeling this way so that's really nice and I think also like um my house church the year that I was feeling that way I was just really honest with them about it and Hmm. we all became really good friends too so like by the last year I was like this is how I'm feeling about religion like it's really messy and I don't really know and but I really enjoyed this house church so we'd just get together and we'd all just like talk for like two hours and eat snacks and then we'd go home so I think it was great I feel like there is kind of a shift in religion too for a lot of people in our generation so I think that's been very helpful like if I would have gone through this like 10 years ago I feel like Mm. it would have been even five years ago three years ago it might have been so much harder but I think because of when it happened it made it easier because a lot of people were kind of in the same boat you know so Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's beautiful that like you're able to maintain those relationships that started in such a specific space and like have um supportive people around you because yeah, just like religion or any other um, maybe like label people mm. use. I think people really get polarized and we saw that in, in the oh, world, yeah. right? And I live for the gray. Like I yeah. I, I try to really like pause and question when like someone um, says like, oh, I, I like kind of like I wear this label. If they're like, oh, I'm yeah. Christian. I, I sometimes because of like experiences I've had in the past with like the church and with Christianity, yeah. I like over the past year, I've had a lot more religious people kind of like come and go in my circles. Yeah. If this makes sense. Sorry. Let me. Yeah. 
I'm kind of talking on my bum right now, but I, I honestly didn't have many people that were very like verbal around about their religion. And yeah. a lot of people had very aligned spiritual beliefs with myself. And I started, um, becoming involved in other communities and there was a very predominant Christian, um, like belief amongst a lot of the people there. And yeah. when I first entered that space, I actually felt really uncomfortable yeah. um, because I hadn't really thought much about religion since I had really like left that school at 14. And so to look at it as an adult, more of an adult, just 10 years later, yeah, and really just kind of like challenge myself of like, okay, I'm like, these are your, this is your mm. shit that you need to unpack and you mm. need to deal with. It has nothing to do with the church or the person or mm. the religion. And, and, and same with you. Like I started learning about these spaces that were like churches or um, like, I guess like there's a space called Mosaic in Los Angeles and it's like just completely redefines what a church is. And so, mm. yeah, I began to kind of like even question myself and challenge myself yeah. and yeah. So I think that's really cool that you were able to um, maintain those relationships. I, I think that's beautiful. Thanks. I think yeah. a lot of like yeah. thinking about high school, I think a lot of those friendships had already kind of changed. Um, Cause I think like John went to a Christian, like it's technically a Christian university in Nashville, but it wasn't like intense about it really. And like I went to church a little bit and I had my house church, but I often felt like my house church was more of a church that I wanted than like going to church was. So mm. that was nice. And then high school friends, I mean, we came from such a small high school. We had like 33 people in our graduating class. And like so many people got married like very soon after high school and like started having kids or like buying homes. So I felt like we were kind of disconnected from that community beforehand. Cause I think it would have been mm. way harder to tell people in that community how we were evolving because I think yeah I think that would have been way worse versus like at this point it's kind of just like they're like oh John and John, they're just like whatever yeah. like it's like not that big of a shock but I think if it would have happened like right after high school it would have been way more shocking for a lot of people and I mean there are some people I don't talk like I don't really talk to my grandparents about it because like that doesn't seem that seems more harmful than helpful because mm -hmm. like I mean, they literally believe that, like, if you don't believe in God, you're going to hell. And I just don't need my grandma to worry about that every single day. So, like, <laughs> there are, like, certain situations that I'm like, yeah, that's not even <laughs> worth my time. But, like, other relationships, I'm like, yeah, this is this is good. So it, it has yeah. been pretty good. And I think one thing I have noticed, though, is, like, when we moved to New York, one thing that's super nice when you're a believer is, like, you just go to church and you build a community. And like, that's something we're experiencing for the first time is like, it's really hard to make friends if you're not religious because you can't just mm. go to church and meet a ton of people. Like that's something that is super convenient. So we're like, okay, well, we both work from home. I don't have any coworkers. Like my coworkers are clients, so we can't talk to them. And he, like all of his people he works with are just all over the country. So we're like, okay, how do we make friends? Like, what is this? So I think that is something that I maybe miss about religion is how you have community everywhere you go, or it's easy to find community mm. everywhere you go. Cause that's what I did in Nashville too. And I do miss that aspect, but I also don't miss like anything else. So <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's such a good point. And like, I, 
I completely understand the whole like moving to a new place and being like, yeah. oh my god, uh, especially being like an adult or like more so an adult. I still yes. don't use that word for myself. But it's just like, how the hell? Yeah, I know, I know. I I'm waiting for that day, <laughs> and and um because it is it is such a challenge and. And again, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you now for the past year. Like, I work remotely. I work yeah. freelance. And so, yeah, it's the same. Like, I have mentors and stuff, but, like, everyone's online. And then yes. just, like, the fatigue of, like, yes. even if oh I just want to, like, call my dad or something, You're I'm like, like no, dad, this is I'm exhausting. In- like, yes, I'm like, I don't want to look. But it's like, yeah, there's an aspect of it that's not as satisfying anymore either. Like, since COVID, like, it's it's great. And I've met a lot of people online, like, even through mm-hmm. Honest and different things but it's just like I just want to hang out like I wish we could just go to happy yep. hour and like grab some food and chat in person because mm-hmm. it's like it is yeah the perks of the internet and the downsides yeah. <laughs> I know because it's great because uh probably like both of our jobs it's like it's yeah you need like all online even how we met in this conversation but I agree even just like on those days you're more tired and like the only yeah. my partner's the only person I can do this with of hey let's just watch a tv show together so you're spending yeah. time in that person's presence it's not maybe the most quality time yeah. but you don't feel the need to have to like talk Engage. whereas if I'm yeah, yeah if I can only call my dad to spend time with him I have to talk. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> and I, he's pretty good. He's pretty good about it. But yes. my dad, we don't waste time. If, if if we don't have anything to say, he just goes, all right, well, I got nothing yeah. else to say. Bye. That's how like, <laughs> so my dad is too. Yeah. I love it. Our calls are always like four minutes and 30 seconds. Like every single time. And I'm like, wow, we got a lot done in that short Oh, really? <laughs> oh, no. My dad and I can, we can shoot the shit for a really long time. But then it comes a point where we're like hit a wall where like, it's like, okay, all bye. right, I'm done. Yeah. And then just like instantly we're done. We're done on the combo. Amazing. Um, <laughs> Okay, I want to like unpack more and like maybe you're going to put your more of like coaching hat on when I ask these questions. Yeah. Like just kind of around how do we begin exploring like our sexual expression Mm -hmm. and like our sexual identity, especially when we might have have this really deep rooted like shame or fear around um, or just these narratives around sexuality? Oh, I think... It's really scary and it's really hard. And something I always tell people if they are at the very beginning of that journey is that your sexual self is like one of the many parts of yourself. Like you have like your work self, you have your hobby self, you have your relationship self, like friends, partners, whoever. You have all these different parts of you that make you you. And you have your sexual self, which is part of that. So I think sometimes what's so interesting about religion is like suppressing people's sexuality actually kind of keeps them from fully knowing themselves and fully feeling confident. So starting that journey feels super scary because not only might it feel like a sin, but it might feel like you've suppressed your sexuality so much you don't think you're a sexual person or you have no idea what you like. And sometimes in media, it makes it seem like you have to know immediately what you like to start having sex with people or to start even navigating what your gen idea of like pleasure would look like. So I think it's super intimidating because we often feel like we can't be in the, I don't know phase 
which is mm. like, I would argue we're always, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I think that's what's scary is being in the unknown. Like people feel like if I'm doing something, I need to know what I'm doing. Like there's no place for exploration. So I think that's bullshit though, because I think everything is kind of exploring. Like we're exploring things all day long, even if we don't really know, you know, if you try a new food, mm-hmm. you're just deciding if you like that, that food or not. It should be that simple with sex too. Like it should be like, I'm going to try this butt plug. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. And it could be that simple, but it's not because of all of the feelings that are attached to it from how we're taught. Like I always tell my clients, it's like, cause I don't understand anything about computers, but I know it's really hard to like code <laughs> websites and shit. I'm like, basically your brain is coded to think that your sexual self is horrible. And we have to like go in and have to like mm. recode your entire brain. And that's not like a quick fix. I feel like some coder out there is probably like, that is a quick fix. But in this <laughs> analogy, it's not. <laughs> like it's basically having like rewire your entire brain. And that's crazy. Like, and I think people often, like I said, like feel shame for feeling shame. Like, why can't, like, why can't I just be quote normal? Why can't I just Mm. like get over it? And it's like, if you've gone, like I went 24 years of my life thinking my like sexuality was bad. So like, that's not going to change overnight. Like if my, my idea Mm -hmm. of that changes, like I'm not going to whip out my brand new vibrator and masturbate and be like, that was the best thing I've ever done. I feel great about that. I might think that, but I might also think like, damn, I feel bad for thinking that. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that is honestly one of the biggest hurdles is just getting started, like feeling confident getting started because Mm -hmm. it's been bad. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Even it, it is like, I, I feel like I even have to like keep reminding myself that too, because it's like, okay, I was 20 the first time I watched porn. It's been four years. Right. Yeah. And I've really tried to like push myself or kind of like question things. And like, I haven't had specific one-on-one work with like a coach or anything around that. Yeah. But like I, I've said to you, like I have a friend who's a sex therapist. I try to like be more open about the conversations. Yeah. Like I'm having this conversation with you and I feel like I've come a long way, but then like I had a, I told you like two weeks ago or something, I had a conversation with my partner and I'm like, whoa, I still have so far to go. But then it is true. It's like, well, this was ingrained in me first. Like I just, I completely view the world one way, like in the most formative years of my life. So it's like, it is going to take a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, like anything else, I think sometimes religion like puts everything sexual in the same box, but like, like anything else, like everything has a bunch of different boxes, like sex has a bunch of different boxes. So I feel like sometimes it's like this one part about sex, I've gotten used to what's in that box and that box feels really good now. And then it's like a different Mm. nerve is struck or a different like box is open. And it's like, Ooh, but that's like, like you could feel completely comfortable having sex with a partner and that doesn't feel bad anymore, but you watch porn and you're like, Oh, why do I feel really bad? Like, it's kind of having to unpack all these layers of things because like deconstructing one part of it, like partnered sex, you're doing that with another person. So sometimes that is like helpful in that is if you can talk to that person about your feelings of shame, kind of you're talking about sex, you're getting comfortable talking about that. But like having an experience with porn where you watch it and close your laptop and throw your laptop under your bed is like, 
a personal experience that you might not share with other people. So that kind of keeps it in the dark a little bit and keeps it in that shame box. And also just how the church talks about porn in general is horrible. And just, you know, just like I I can have sex, but I can't watch sex is basically the like, I don't know. So I think it's like, because it is like religious trauma is a thing. And with trauma, I feel like often you kind of have to unpack different layers of it. So I think with sex, it's like, I have sex. I don't feel bad about it anymore. I'm good to go. And then something else happens and you're like, wait, I thought I was done with this. And I, <laughs> that's just not mm-hmm. how we work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a a real like you probably saw my face. I was like, oh my god, that's exactly it. Like, I get comfortable doing one thing. Like, we introduce a new toy or just like try something new. Um, or or like I watch something different or I do something by myself, and I'm like, okay, cool. I feel comfortable with this, and and it ties into what you're saying, like this unknown. And so it's like with sex, there's so many things you can do under the umbrella of sex, right? And so it's like the minute, and then also too, I get like weird. I, I'm not weird, but just if something scares me, I like mm. almost like have to do it or like have to like face it or something like that. So then I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like a butt plug. Oh my God, that scares me. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I have to do it if I'm scared. But like, there's so many things you can do <laughs> yes. within sex. And you also have to figure out like your boundary, what you like, yes, whatever. Exactly. But that is even just like acknowledging that like it is this constant questioning. It is this constant journey, like, regardless of if you feel completely open sexually. Um, like it that's just that's just part of life it's like it it is validating i feel like to feel that way or to hear that yes definitely i think it's Mm -hmm. to like figuring out which we kind of talked about this earlier but i think it's hard for a lot of people to pinpoint like am i feeling shame for this action or am i feeling shame because i don't feel shame like am I feeling guilt for not feeling shame Mm. like I think sometimes those are really hard things to figure out how you feel when you don't have like we don't have language for that fully yet like we're kind of making it up right now and I think Mm -hmm. sometimes there's a lot of guilt for experiencing pleasure like my body was actually created and also because in the church oftentimes it's like you don't have sex you don't have sex you don't have sex you get married you have sex on your wedding night which sounds first of all, horrible, like going from literally nothing. I'm like, Oh God, no. So I think it's, it's not meant to be. I mean, even if it is pleasurable, I feel like it's not talked about in a way that like sex is for pleasure. Sex is for like Mm. baby making. And you're like, no, Mm -hmm. that's not great. So it's like having to rewire your brain that like, I get to just experience pleasure for the sake of experiencing pleasure which when you're coming out of a religion that also taught you to like constantly deny yourself like constantly deny like your worldly desires so to speak and like all this I feel like it's really hard to just like feel good feeling good because Mm. forever you've been taught that like it's better to just deny and survive and like someday you'll be in heaven and apparently that's where all the good shit happens but it's like no like we have clitorises we need to use them (laughs) i um i heard um aubrey marcus do you know who that is 
Wait, have you heard of him? Um, have you ever heard of like Aubrey Marcus? No. I don't no. Think. Okay. He's like I don't I don't know how to describe him. He's like I'm just gonna say he's like a public figure. He does he has like loads of stuff. He's like businesses, podcasts, yeah. whatever. But anyway, someone asked him if you could ask one person one question, what would it be? Mm. And um, he was like, I'd want to ask Jesus about his sex life. And I think that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think too. it's like such a I know, good, yeah. I was like, like <laughs> Jesus had like some of his closest friends were like sex workers, and everyone's like. Not that he was having sex with them necessarily. Who knows? But I was like, but who knows? Just like, did, stop denying the possibility that Jesus was like the saint in the sense that like he wasn't having sex. Like Jesus literally never said that he wasn't having sex. Like ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've read feel, the entire I, Bible. I feel like, and it yeah, I feel that. like he, he. I feel like he'd have a, a really good time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> who knows? Maybe he was Polly. Like yeah, if he had no judgment, no shame, just nothing but love. Like you got to express that love, right? <laughs> yes. Like I just think it's so funny. I feel like. I think it's the, well, I feel like sometimes I forget how much weird random stuff I know about the Bible. And I like have to like pull it back to the front of my brain. And I'm like unlocking this like whole compartment. But Core think, memory or something. The like, yeah. wasn't it like the apostle Paul who was like, I think by the sounds of it, he's an asshole, but he like basically wrote that it was like, it's better to be single. And if you can't, deny your sexual drive then you should get married or something but to me I feel like if you read between the lines that just sounds like I can't get with anybody so it's actually better to be me yeah than it is (laughs) to like but if you have to you can find like partnership and connection but like or it was just someone who maybe was asexual and he was like I'm the best kind Mm. of it's so crazy like I don't know. There's just so much language we didn't have for the Bible to be the thing that everyone relies on for everything. And like, it's still Mm -hmm. people, like it's not the voice of God because people are people. (laughs) So you can't read that and be like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have human desires and like we have like we're humans yes there and i think another like area that we didn't we haven't acknowledged in this conversation so, so far is even for people that didn't grow up in a sexual or <laughs> a sexual space a <laughs> religious space yes um especially like women and like talking about pleasure talking about sexual expression it's like we already in a way have the odds against us in yeah. the world that we're in and like how we grew up and so then to layer in this whole religious aspect so it's yeah. like even i'm sure there's people that if they're listening to this maybe they didn't grow up in a religious space but it's like i think we can all pull something from this right because i think at least and again like i am controlling the what i'm seeing the algorithms feeding me specific things that it knows i like but of but i am seeing a lot more conversations around sexual expression and like sexuality pleasure which is awesome yeah right so that is another piece i just wanted to like add in there oh definitely like i think our society in general, like speaking from like the binary of how our society looks at like men and women completely leaves out like LGBTQ plus and Mm -hmm. all that. I think it's like women are supposed to look a certain way. Men are supposed to look a certain way sexually. Like men are allowed to like, men are like aggressive and like, dominant and like that's how their sexuality looks and like women are like they have to be sexy but they can't be like sexual like they have to be like 
mm-hmm. sensual sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like that's the vibe. And then like, if you don't fall into the category of like, I, this is how I, like, I am a woman in the way that society deems like womanhood to be acceptable or same for men. It's like, you fall in that bracket of like, I'm somewhere in the LGBTQ plus spectrum. It's like, it does not like I, there has to be so much more shame in that too, because it doesn't include everybody. And like, it only includes like these two ideal, like visions of what like quote sexy looks like. And it's like, I think that's one of the hardest parts too. Cause like, there's so many people who might identify as like a man or a woman who don't even fit into that idea of sexy mm-hmm. in itself. So it's just like limiting and shameful because I think also like body types have been included in those definitions of sexy. So like if your body type doesn't look away that sex is often like talked about, you're going to also feel like you're not sexy enough to like have good sex. And it's like, none of that actually matters. Like the language that we've given to sex so far is just so shameful and hurtful and really isolating. And like sex is supposed to be fun and wonderful. And it's supposed to like, be curious and like fun and goofy and sloppy and like I just think we've not done it justice with how it's talked about at all so and I think too like if you grow up religious you're getting it from like two sides you're getting like I have to be sexy but I can't be sexy at church and like I'm Mm. like it's just like so interesting like I feel like there's almost two layers you have to deconstruct almost of like you have to like start with the religion and like you get down to a certain point and you're like, Oh God, no, I gotta like deconstruct my societal like beliefs around sex too. It's just, yeah, it ain't great. <laughs> Even like I, I found in around like the age of probably started maybe like 12 ish. Um, other people were telling me that my body was like sexual mm-hmm. or they were commenting on like, yeah, my like my body being yeah. a sexual like part of I, I'm struggling with the words right now. Before I was even aware of it, so like yes. for example, we had like dress codes, and like I was very tomboy growing up. I had like maybe one crush in junior high, but I was like very like yeah, I'm I over this. Too. I just want to get yeah, I want to get to high school. There'll be way more people there. Like I, there'll be people that I'm like into because my space is so limited. So whatever, I just was in my own world, and yeah. I used to have teachers come up to me and like pull me out in front of like a bunch of other people or a bunch of like these like male figures in the space and like be like oh like measure your your like um like spaghetti strap or something with your fingers you know like all these like dumb rules that they have and what would kind of like as I've gotten older and I've like unpacked that and why it would impact me so much is because I was so naive like I did I wasn't trying to be sexual I wasn't trying to like put myself out there in these ways that they were like trying to project me and tell me as though I was like like showing up in these spaces I was so naive and so then it got me not only did it was it a really bad introduction to like me and my body and my body being like a sexual thing but it also was just like yeah just put so much shame on it from the beginning yes yeah I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I think that's so important I had similar experience because I was always really tall like I'm like I think I'm technically five nine and a half or something mm-hmm. five, I'm five nine. eight so I I hey. totally feel this yes. yeah and I feel yeah. like like I always had really long legs and I went to private school so 
I had like a dress code. Like you couldn't, like I couldn't wear this top because this is so modest. <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. My shoulders, like there was this running joke in high school that the like girls couldn't show shoulders. So the guys were always like, oh yeah, the shoulders are what get us going because it's <laughs> yeah. so stupid. You're like, okay, but they can wear like their cut off like shirts and it's yeah. completely fine. But we had dress code for like, um dresses and skirts too and I could not for the I have the longest thighs ever like I can't find literally anything to wear that meets dress code so I was always wearing maxi dresses that like went to my calf and were actually like middies because yes. I'm so tall but I would get dress coded all the time and it was always by male teachers which looking back is kind of weird and it was something like I didn't know like I think in religion oftentimes generally speaking specifically for people who are like raised as women it's like harder to figure out your sexuality like you're not really allowed to have the sexuality because your sexuality is for a part like your future partner so I think that was really it is weird to get dress coded by male teachers and like be told like that looks too sexual or that's inappropriate and then you start feeling shame around your sexuality before you even know what your sexuality is you literally have not felt sexual before and someone is telling you that you look too sexual like that definitely feeds in heavily to like sexual shame because you're like and then there's that whole thing about like girls being stumbling blocks and like needing to protect like men because like men are weak and like they're gonna you know like it's easy to turn them on and then you cause them to sin so like you need to try your best to not and that is absolutely outrageous and like yes and all all of that is just feeding into I think the pressure and the shame and just how like adults are literally making kids have to think about sexuality in a way that like they shouldn't have to think about it at that age. Like no, no one <laughs> like sex, like people are thinking about like making out and like, you know, in middle school and stuff. But I think like even kind of the conversation that's happening right now about how like um, a lot of conservatives are saying that like LG, LGBTQ plus people are like trying to like sexualize your children. And it's like, like if you actually turn that though, like Oftentimes, mm. religion is kind of like over-sexualizing people. Like you're teaching people to sexualize people before they are even thinking of doing that, which is so crazy. Like I think young boys, and like I'm talking specifically in the binary because that's the only way the church talks, <laughs> quite honestly. So I think it's they teach boys that like women are sexy and you can't be turned on by them. But what does that make like young boys do oftentimes? Like they seek out porn now. They're supposed to think women are sexy. Like they can like take advantage of girls because they're basically taught to, they're taught to sexualize people, which is horrible. Like it's horrible. And then women are taught that like you're to be sexualized, like, or you can't be too sexual until a certain point. Like it is so confusing like that's not how we need to talk about sex we need to like scratch all of that give people the tools and the language they need to go into sexual experiences there's actually a study that was done recently about how like the more sex ed the more like actually beneficial sex ed that is like comprehensive really great that kids are taught the less sex they have young because they can actually make like educated decisions about it and I think people hmm. often think the other the other way they're like 
if I teach my kid that like sex is bad, they're not going to have it. But it's like, that doesn't like some, <laughs> that doesn't like make your child, like when you go through puberty and you all of a sudden have sexual feelings, like that doesn't make that go away. That just makes your kid want to be curious and go figure it out on their own. And then they're not going to feel comfortable talking to you about it. Like, it's just, it's so turned around. Like we need to just like flip, <laughs> redo everything, like <laughs> scratch it all. Let's start over. It, yeah. it is like, there's so much there. Like even just, um, almost like back to the, the piece about like sexualizing our bodies before we're even aware of it. It's almost, yeah. it almost, I don't know if this is like the right phrase of like, it made my body feel like it wasn't my own before I was yeah. even like aware of my body in a way. And even now I find myself like, um, when I was, especially when I was in high school, I loved because I wore a uniform for so long and then I finally got to high school and I didn't have to wear a uniform. So mm. I loved to wear these like weird, wild outfits and I really expressed myself um, with the clothes that I wore. And again, I was never trying to be sexual. Like I yeah. was very naive and to this day, I still sometimes will put something on that I'm like, oh, this feels really cool. Like this feels like I look in the mirror and I feel like that's who Emma is, right? I yeah. feel like myself and I'll, I'll, I'll like be like walking. I'll be like about to leave the house and I'll look at my partner and I'll be like, is this inappropriate? And usually it's like mm -hmm. hella conservative. And he's like, M, like even if it isn't, like who cares? Like take up space. Like mm -hmm. you're not harming anyone. Like you don't have this ill intent. And that's been one that, that sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah. And my roommate's yeah. like, who cares if you look hot? Like look fucking yeah. sexy. And I'm like, I okay. Because <laughs> like, it's like, like I, I see other. <laughs> that's literally, I love. I love your partner. I guess that's my boyfriend as well. He's like, go on. But it's even like beyond that. It's like, okay, I see other people and like they're dressing more sexual, right? And I'm never like, oh my no, God, I like, dare like, they? Damn, they look hot. They like, look so I hot. Wear that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. I comfortable where, and I think, yeah, no, I agree. I think that, I think this, another general statement that this, mostly happens to people raised as women in the church because it's like your body your body is literally never for you like your body is either you have to cover up your body to protect other people from thinking you're sexual and then one day your part you're like your body is for your partner like it's never for you it's never for your pleasure or for your like exploration or curiosity like it's literally for a purpose at all times and then like also we tell like women that they have to have babies and like it's ne mm -hmm. it's literally never for just you and I think that's like one of the craziest things to unlearn is like I think that even goes into like body image standards too with like how we're taught to look at ourselves is never for us like it's never taught mm -hmm. to just like get comfortable with like what is your body like it's always like I don't look how society wants me to look, which like makes me less valuable, which isn't true. But I think that's a message we're always taught. And I, I think it's just like really hard to kind of like unlearn that and then like take ownership of like, no, my body's like badass and it's only for me. And then I get to decide like what the heck I want to do with this body and when I want to do it. And yeah and not feel bad mm -hmm. about it <laughs> mm -hmm. even like I'm just this is like this is crazy that we've gone down this because I'm like I don't know I just feel like I I talk about it but I've never really talked about mm -hmm. it this in 
depth. I think like maybe the religious and like upbringing type yeah. of way. Like I've obviously talked about like like we said like our culture does kind of have this one narrative and things like that. But I don't know. I just feel like this is more like specific and um, even and and sorry, this is kind of like jumping. No, don't worry. But so I watched porn for the first time when I was twenty. I think I was right, and yeah. I just went on Pornhub because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And then for years, I just thought that like this aggressive, really fake curated mm. porn was like the only thing available right yeah. whereas now the more i'm learning i'm like oh my god there's like erotica where it's like more yeah uh, like art yes and and that's and i'm i'm i enjoy like the thing what i sorry so what i'm like realizing is like the art or the hobbies or like i really enjoy listening to podcasts and i like reading and yeah. like there's erotic fiction there mm-hmm. is um i don't know what they're called but there's like the stories where it's like yeah. someone speaking and just really like redefining that and then also like with that, that and it unpacks so much more it's even just yeah. like okay sex isn't vaginal and um yes. like vagina penis heterosexual yeah cis like it's it's so many other things yeah. and so that's been another whole element I think to like my journey that I'm only just discovering of like whoa like yeah. even even just um relationships like there yeah. isn't just like two people in a relationship you yeah. can have polyamorous you can have a triad yeah. etc so yeah that's been another element oh yeah for me. sure there's like different levels of I feel like you have to go through a whole process of like unlearning and then you're like okay I'm fresh now. What do I want to take in? And that's kind of how it feels is you're like, first I have to like get all this icky stuff out and then I'm ready for learning new things. And it's like, I don't know what your experience has been like, but I've felt that it's like really fun now. Like I think now that I've worked through a lot of the initial like shame and like bad feelings, I'm finding it like so fun to just like learn new ideas. and like, oh, I like, never knew about that or no one ever taught me that or I never knew that could be an option and like even if I don't think that they work for me and my lifestyle and what I want it's still so exciting to think that there's all these other ways that things can go because in religion there's like you grow up you get married you have babies you die like that's basically it and it's just like oh life is so much more exciting than that. <laughs> not that that's like bad if that's what you want no, at no, all no. but like yeah that's not probably what a lot of people would want for their lives and there are a lot of people who do want that for their lives but I think knowing that's your only option a lot of the time mm. and then finding out that there's like all these other ways to live is so exciting you feel like you're like a kid all over again who's just like because kids are just like constantly learning new things all day. And that's how I feel now. I'm just like, I'm actually like digressing in, in a good way. <laughs> or it's even just like seeing like this one way, even if we're going to say relationships, like how they're depicted in like a Hallmark movie and just not for so long. I was like, oh, I don't identify with this. But like, so I just kind of was like kept things in or just like would make myself small or just think there was something wrong with me so I just kind of like conform whereas it's like realizing that no 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 like there are spaces that you might identify with more or like if this doesn't work for you even if you don't know what you do like like there's so much out there for you to like figure that out personally like I want to get to the point if I'm completely vulnerable it's like I still feel so much and I think I never realized it because I was like, oh, I've been trying to do work and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, when I actually step back and think about it, I still have a lot of like my like shame and fear. Oh, there's a lot of fear. So it's not fully like exciting and as mm-hmm. 
as like like trust me i enjoy sex but like i want it to be more exciting trying like the possibility yeah. of new things rather than like right now i'm like cool i feel comfortable with what i have and yeah. if like i deviate outside of that then i'm like oh fuck oh yeah. fuck like we were talking about earlier and so i want to like continue to work through yeah to where it is exciting because it should be exciting right oh yeah I think too like there's often this misconception from society that like we're young and you're like the sexiest you'll ever be like this is the best sex years of your life and like I think that's also bullshit because like we're learning so much about ourselves like we are not who we are right now is not who we're going to be forever and we are still really young. And when you're young, you're probably the most insecure you'll ever be in your life. Like you probably just keep getting more and more secure as life goes on. So I honestly feel like sex will just keep getting better and better too, because I mean, think about it. Like you started deconstructing like not that long ago in the grand scheme of life. So like there's Mm -hmm. all these things that still have like little holds on who you are and how you think and what you desire. And like, those things will keep getting farther and farther away as you get older. Like I think sex will only get better and better and better. Like, but we also have this idea of like sex only being for like beautiful people who like don't have saggy bodies and like whatever. And it's like, that's not true. Like sex is for everybody who wants to have sex and it'll only get better and better because you'll know what you want more. And like, I think that's something we often don't think about because I think also like, which this might be religion, this might just be society in general, but like, I just remember like one time I was talking to a group of people and they're like, oh, I don't want to like think about my grandparents having sex. And I was like, well, I don't have to like imagine them having sex, but I really hope they have sex. Like, I don't want them to like sit at home for their whole like elderly years and like not have sex with each other. Like, I hope all the grandparents in the world are having sex with each other. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I always love it when they're like, oh, the sexual, uh, the STIs have really gone up with the over 70s yeah. or something. Like I'm like, Parks go on. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, where they're like yes. throwing out condoms <laughs> and they're like, you guys have to use protection. <laughs> so. I, I, I need to look up that. I love that. Yeah, it's a good I've seen that one. I might have seen it, but I'm like, it's okay, really cute. I, I will add it to the list. It was oh. like all these it's, older people who are just like sleeping with each other and like the like STIs are through the roof and they're like, guys, <laughs> this is not how we do this. I think I have seen that one. I think I have. It's, it's I I remember I was in this like workshop with um it was so two of my friends, one's a sex therapist, the other one's an art therapist, and they like collaborated and we did this whole like really cool like art therapy like sexuality thing and there was a woman in the course and she was probably in her like 60s and she was so cool I just remember sitting there being like I want to be this lady and she was like I just discovered like this work and I really like really just started to unpack this like only within the past few years and she's like I'm having the best sex of my life at like however old she was and then she was like the 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 eldest and there was a lot of women like probably my age and she was like I'm so happy you guys are here now and like Mm. I wish that I learned about this sooner but it's also just like accessibility now it's like we have it so accessible to us yeah so I was like oh that's really cool and and it's the same like like you said it's like I hope that it's only going to get better and the more I learn about myself and the world that like it will continue to evolve because it has so far even like partnered sex like the more I get to know my partner and I understand like we've only been together four years and so like 
I don't know what it's like to be in like a 25 year relationship or something, but even then it's like the possibility of like, okay, if we need to open it up, like that's always kind of like on the cards. And so growing with another person in so many ways, but including sexually is kind of like a fun thing to like even just daydream about at this present moment. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I think too, there's like a script sometimes that is taught to like specifically like heterosexual couple which is also like in the church like I remember hearing this all the time that like marriage is hard and like you stop having sex because life gets Mm. hard and like all these things so I feel like I feel like sometimes when people are told that enough you're just gonna believe it and you're gonna like that kind of just ends up happening because it's what you think is supposed to happen and that doesn't need to happen at all like you do like keep getting to know someone and I think sometimes also society tells us that like I don't know <laughs> you know like bachelorette parties and they're like one penis forever and it's like <laughs> that doesn't have to be a bad thing like that <laughs> could be a great thing if you let it like yeah I don't know yeah I think it's like the whole like the script that we have for that currently is just super limiting like it's not like oh hey like sex can be sexy forever like you might not look how society deems sexy but like you get to know someone's body maybe even better than you get to know your own sometimes and like that's really exciting like your sex can always be evolving if you have like a partner for a really long time and I feel like we just need to change the narrative with that a bit because it seems kind of shitty right now (laughs) like when people Mm -hmm. get married and they're like marriage is so hard and you're like okay well (laughs) what kind of advice is that like it can be hard but also like I feel like we should give people like scripts and tools and different things instead of just these blanket statements of like make you want to be like are you okay like do you need to talk about something (laughs) well or even just like unpacking that further of just like relationships and people being like oh the ball and chain like that's a very common narrative in like some of the spaces i hang out in unless it's like kinky and then it could be sexy but it doesn't sound like it is (laughs) not not the context they're using it in and i'm like okay well if your partner feels like the ball and chain like Okay, first off, like that's like why are we normalizing that? Because yeah. to me, that sounds like a cry for help, and it's like I actually <laughs> I it really is. like my yeah. I'm like I really. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's like I can't. I know, <laughs> but it's like it 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 it, sh- it doesn't need to be that way, and it's also like you have permission to leave the relationship if it is not serving you, or like you let's talk about how we can make time. it. Mm. Also, like divorce and religion and mm. pride. I do, I do hope and think our generation is kind of moving in a different direction with this. Because I think something I've noticed, like, I feel like I'm so bad at remembering what boomers are. Our grandparents. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Okay, but like my grandparents are in their like. 70s and 80s and I feel like a lot of people in that generation like got divorced it was like I don't know why but they did like that I feel like a lot of people in that generation got divorced and then like my parents generation a lot of people saw their parents get divorced and they're like I'm never going to get divorced like I I want something different than that and so I think there's almost like this pride with it of thinking you have to like prove to yourself that you're not going to get divorced, but it's like, 
where is that? <laughs> like, are you, ha- mm-hmm. are you happy? Like, how does that fit into your happiness? And I feel like our generation is kind of like, we're in relationships with people who make us happy. Like it's a partnership. Sure. But like, it's also like, what do we bring to each other's lives? Like, do we like each other? Like, are we friends? Like, like, I feel like a lot of people define their partners, like their best friend. Now it's not just like, you know, a general, like heterosexual, like, yeah, he goes to work and makes money and I have babies, which is great if that works for you and you love it. But Mm -hmm. I think it's like kind of redefining like what a relationship is like, yeah, it is Mm -hmm. like finding someone to cohabitate with and love it. And I feel like that's different. So like divorce isn't like this shameful, awful thing. Like maybe you got married because unfortunately in our country, there's a lot of benefits you get with getting married. Mm -hmm. Well, in America, I guess you're not in America right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like (laughs) all this stuff. So I think it's like, we're like slowly redefining all of that. But I do think historically, like getting divorced was really shameful. So it's kind of not an option on the table Mm -hmm. or it's like the last option. Like you do everything else before you do that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I come from a broken home, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my parents are divorced. So I think that's definitely played into it, but it is cool. Just like we were talking about in religion, like about religion earlier of how I'm like, wow, things are changing in the space. And like, yeah. I need to unpack my own shit of like, even two of my closest friends, I got married. And just the fact that it's two men getting married, mm-hmm. like yeah. we're changing this whole narrative around marriage. And like, it's been so cool to see because I've known them like, since I was like, 16 and like I saw them come together I've seen them build their relationship their life together it's so cool and so to see like subconsciously like they are challenging the norms of like okay like who's more like looking after the Mm -hmm. home and like who's more like just it's been really cool to witness how that pans out for them and obviously it's going to change and they're going to change but um it is true. Like I think, and but also like the main point of what I'm saying there is like that's just so normal in our in yeah. our generation, right? Yeah. Whereas like it at should least just what, be normal. Like we shouldn't have yeah. to be like, like people shouldn't have to say I'm going to a gay wedding. You're just going to a oh wedding. My God. Like I'm yes. like, can we please not? <laughs> like. That's a whole, I mean, that's a whole thing as well. Or even <laughs> just like people having, isn't there? I don't know the right language for it, but like why do people have to come out? It's like, you don't come out if you're like a heterosexual. Oh, right. And it's also it's just like so assuming stupid. that everyone is had it's like a, that yeah. whole narrative. Yeah. And there's just so much. And even like talking to like kids now, like, um, because of where I've moved, I'm, I have a lot more children around me, which has been really cool. And like just how mm-hmm. they are growing up, like uh, there's this 10 year old that's really close to me. And it's just so interesting to hear yeah. her day to day. And I'm like, this is awesome that you're just like openly talking about like this person's whatever or like your body and like the changes of your body I was like I did not have the courage to have these conversations we also didn't have the language I'm pretty sure my like vagina was called a hoo-ha growing up so I I literally remember that no but that's like fine when you know yeah I like saying you're choosing it but I felt I remember one time I like was because my friends were studying for like a geography quiz of like all the states in our country and I like the answer was Virginia and she was like ha 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 like Virginia sounds like vagina and I was like what's a vagina and we were in like fourth grade or fifth grade and she was like what and I was like what but I'm the oldest of like three girls and so I think I just Uh never knew 
were, and I that that's how I learned what a vagina was, and I was like, oh, I have one of those. <laughs> Wait, I've seen that before. Wait, Hang yeah, on. I think I. Oh, that. <laughs> is that what that is? I thought that was a food that's box. what that is. <laughs> that not the clinical word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's so good. Um okay, I wanna I have some I posted you you probably saw. I posted oh, yes. an anonymous thing the other day. I think these are kind of fun. Okay. Um I had three I pulled from it. These we don't have to like unpack them, unpack them. Um but I want your your thoughts on it. Cool. Um the first one is what is your opinion on swingers clubs and group play? Is this more normal than we think or is it a niche? Mm. I mean, it's kind of a broad I question. Like, I, I tried to reword it a bit to make it more yeah. like. I feel like it's definitely super common. We're just normalizing it now. Like it's not like mm. these things are new. We're just finally being super accepting of them. And it's becoming like fine to be like, yeah, I'm a swinger instead of like having to live like a secret double life because society will judge you. So I think super common. And I think one thing I'll say about that, that's like a really common misconception is like, something I've learned from working in the sex education world is like a lot of the times these safe, these spaces are super safe. Like people are getting tested. Like it's not like this crazy, like free for all, like a lot of times, like to be in situations where you're having sex with multiple people in group sex, like there is ahead of time, you have conversations about what everyone is comfortable with and what everyone feels safe with. And like, I think that's something to note because I think oftentimes like I mean, it definitely comes from religion and just like certain parts of society in general, like deem that these things are just like frivolous instead of like functional and thought out. And like, that's something I just want to throw out there to help break that misconception is like, yeah, no, this can be a super planned out, wonderful, safe experience for everyone involved. So I think they're far more common than people think. And they're not new. They're just Mm -hmm. actually accepted. No, more so. Mm-hmm. Still not all the way. I, Still a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> we got all work to do on that one. I've been. I read. Um, I've been reading more like LGBT like fiction. Mm-hmm. Like there's this whole section in this bookstore near where I'm from, and even that has helped me. Like it's not erotic fiction. Like it's yeah. just it's just more like LGBT friendly. Like I don't I don't even know what what it's just fiction. But anyways, yeah. even that has helped me. Like just them casually through the story talking about like attending a sex party and like talking about that experience like I don't know because I really like to read that's really kind of helped me like unpack stuff like even beyond like sex party group play whatever just like other things um that just made me think of it because I just read one and it was based around yeah the whole story was based around her attending sex parties but definitely becoming it wasn't weird yeah no exactly I think it's definitely becoming super normalized also probably because our generation is like talking about it and people are challenging gender and sexuality and all that way more so I think that kind of comes along with it but yeah I think it's great because the more you hear about it like casually reading a book that has it in it is just going to help normalize it in a bunch of people's Mm -hmm. minds so that's really cool Mm -hmm. um how do you bring something up that you like or dislike? This is another question. Mm-hmm. How do you bring something up that you like or dislike when you're afraid that your partner might get defensive about it? Oh my God. I literally made a post yesterday about this. I haven't posted it yet, but okay. I was going to say, think... I was like, I didn't see this. No, I was like, I, I missed your podcast. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'm a horrible podcast <laughs> engineer. No, I'm like, what? Okay. Yet. <laughs> okay. called it, they're called sex maintenance scripts is what I called it too. 
I think, okay, I think sex is vulnerable because we don't talk about it enough. So like, it's really easy if someone says like, I don't like it when you do that. That feels like it personally affects you. Like it means like, oh, I'm bad at sex because we have such minimal education Mm. around sex, you know, but really it's like, if your partner cooked you dinner and it just wasn't good and you took a bite, you would be like, oh my God, like, love you, but that's not good at all. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't be afraid to like hurt their feelings as much when it's something that's like that, but because of how sex is, we take things more personal. Mm. We're afraid to hurt each other's feelings, even when it's our bodies. So I think, I think one way that's good to do it is like, if something has happened before that you really enjoyed and it hasn't happened again in a really long time, it can be kind of a sexy conversation to be like, Hey, remember that one time that like you did this, like, could we try that again? Or it can even just be like having a conversation like before you have sex. Like I think it's, um, sex with Emily. Have you heard of her? She has like a podcast. She's like apparently an icon in like the sex education community, but I've listened to the, I've listened to like one episode. I remember now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, She did. I can't, I don't know much about her though. I think she, I think she's the one who says like, you should never talk about sex in the bedroom. Like when you're having sex, because it's, you're far more vulnerable when you're like naked and like trying Uh to interact with someone. So like talking about it outside the bedroom is really helpful. So like it can be a conversation of like, when we have sex, what, do I do that feels the best for you or what do you wish we had more of and vice versa and letting like each person speak and knowing that like if they say something that you don't do very often that is not like that's not a reflection of you that's just like getting to know someone's bodies like what we were talking about like you're not going to start having sex with someone new and just like instantly know what they like like Mm -hmm. every single person's body is different so knowing that like being curious and asking questions is what you can do to like know each other best. And I think, yeah, maybe setting, setting the groundwork for that, like being like, okay, we're going to have a conversation. This is not because we don't enjoy our sex, but because we want to have better sex and better sex Mm -hmm. comes from knowing each other better. So setting the groundwork for it might help a little bit with that and not talking about it while it's happening. Like I think it's more intimate and vulnerable if like someone's going down on you and you're like, I don't like it when you do that. <laughs> you would be like, okay, well, there's probably better ways to say this. Like to communicate that. Yeah. Um, there's this I, I remember one time I saw this post. I don't think it was from you, but you can tell me. I, I don't think it was, but it was like and it it was interesting because it started I went camping with my partner that weekend and like it started this whole conversation that panned out for the following days because we had a car yeah. ride, like we had to drive somewhere. And I like saved this post and I like sent it to my partner and it was like, it had these questions, like almost like a sex check-in and it was the same. Yes. It has this disclaimer. It's like, we like, this isn't, I don't enjoy the sex. It's again, it's yeah. like, we want to improve and like, like we do, we want to improve any, any other part of our life. Oh yeah. And yeah, it was like, we had this like two hour drive. And so I pulled the quiz up and I was just like, Hey, and I asked, I can't remember what the questions were, but yeah. I was like, Oh, that's a really cool like exercise yeah. for us to do. Cause like we, we, like, I feel, I feel my partner's the one person I, I feel the most comfortable with, right? Yeah. As I think I think some people should. But um, 
yet just sometimes like having that structure to like stimulate the conversation does help like I mean I'm sure you like talk about it like (laughs) no tomorrow considering (laughs) what you do but it's like for other people it might just not come up like through the day to day so I think sometimes you don't know that you can talk about it like it's like oh we Mm. all have sex but we can't talk about having sex like I even think sometimes like we think our sex experience is supposed to be like this super crazy passionate like sexual experience but it's like you could also just go have sex and you could be like okay this sex is going to be an education round we're going to sit down and we're going to figure out what feels the best for each other and it's not going to be like the crazy passionate sexual vibe that it might be sometimes randomly but like right now we're like having a sex lesson with each other like tonight it's me tomorrow it's you like sort of thing so I love that yeah I think like that needs to happen more often because like and it's different too because like what might feel good when you're alone might not feel as good when Mm. someone else does it too so it's like showing each other how you masturbate can be helpful but also like you kind of need those like sexual interactions where you're like let's just like play around and figure out what feels good because you're two people with two different bodies coming together or more people Mm -hmm. but I feel like yeah it's just learning like anything else trial and error (laughs) <laughs> that made me think of something else and I don't want to like send us in another direction because there's one more I'll ask you too but is um I had this conversation I think it was the first sex episode I did with um with Natalie where I was talking about um in long-term relationships I would never masturbate on by mm. myself and I would never take time to like explore myself my own body my own sexuality like what I like yeah. what I didn't because I thought that was like wrong and again this was not from the partners like yeah. never as yeah. a partner expressed that to me um part of it was like I had this lack mindset that I had this limited amount of sexual energy and yeah <laughs> Natalie kind of threw it back at me she was like actually am she was like I counter that and she was like I think you would probably like be more inclined to have sex and like feel yeah. more like the more that you do it like don't don't block the flow yeah. but she was also just just talking about how valuable that was and I struggle with this but it's something that I do try to like be more aware of like especially now that I live with my partner full-time we've had chapters where we live apart we've had chapters where we've done long distance everything yeah. but now it's like really trying to carve out that time of being like okay like I'm going to like go masturbate by myself like this is Emma time and especially considering like I didn't start exploring my sexual side until I was 20 and I still have so far to go because like like I said I feel like I still have a lot of blocks around me but that's been another thing that like yeah yeah, has been predominant for me oh absolutely I think that probably comes from maybe religion too or just society also but I do think your friend is super right in saying like I feel like feeling sexual when that's only saved for a partner is harder to just randomly get into that space because that's saving a whole part of yourself for partnered interactions instead of like I tap into this part of myself by myself also so I can understand it better and I can understand what these sensations feel like and what I'm feeling and what this like energy feels like inside of me and I think we often because we're kind of taught that that's supposed to be saved for partnered interactions so Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of realizing like no like masturbation will help my relationship most of the time like that will like help me understand myself which then helps me be able to like tell someone else what I like or 
just even like feeling relief like masturbation is a great way mm-hmm. to like relax and like de-stress and yeah and just know yourself mm-hmm. better. And the more you know yourself like we were talking about with sex like it's just gonna get better and better mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and I that's the thing is like Natalie told me that and like I've tried it and it definitely yeah. it does help like my yeah. lived experience is different than this like subconscious narrative that I was playing around but it is something that I still like face especially um I don't know yeah I think I think it is a whole other element when you live with the other partner because it's like yeah. you have to be like okay I'm actually gonna go over there now whereas yes. like when I was by myself if I was by myself that night I'd be like oh okay cool like yeah. maybe I'll do, I'll, you is. know it's different especially like so, the yeah. last like if you live at home with your partner and it's been like the last few years and like you work from home you're like and we've lived in like a we lived in a studio last year so I was like oh where, where do I so he'd be like I'm gonna run like, to it's the like store. over your head yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm gonna like go for a walk and I was like okay and then he was like leave and I'm like I don't know how long I have but I have to get it done <laughs> it adds an element yeah yeah definitely it's hilarious um okay the last one we have is kind of on this on this uh wavelength of how do you keep things spicy in a longer or how do you keep things spicy in a long-term relationship I think talking about sex I which and it doesn't even have to be in a sexy way I think mm-hmm. sometimes which I'm totally just <laughs> taking this out of my ass I don't know what this person meant by the word spicy but I feel like sometimes when people hear the word spicy they attribute that to like hot heavy spontaneous like sex like this has to look like a certain way sort of thing but I think like a lot of people think planning sex doesn't sound sexy but like you plan date nights you plan like intentional time like planning sex into your life will help sex happen most of the time so I think sometimes that's a really great way to do it in a long distance relationship and it doesn't have to look like hey, we're adding sex tonight to our Google calendar. Like it totally could look like that. But it also could be like, you text them while they're at work and be like, hey, I want to have sex with you tonight. Like, or I want to do this to you. Like something that's like keeping it alive a little bit in a way that is also practical. Because like, I think the more settled in you get with someone, even you live together or just with life like it's harder to be spontaneous because you kind of fall into routines which is just natural and so kind of knowing that like we have to keep this alive by both prioritizing it like this is what it looks like Mm -hmm. and like I think there's different ways for that to happen like it can look like I know some people like switch weeks like it's one person's job to initiate one week and then the next week it's the other person's job so like I think there's a lot of different ways it can work because it kind of is whatever feels comfortable for anyone involved, you know, like you just mm-hmm. kind of got to figure out what feels good for you in your relationship. Like if one person likes initiating every time, cool. If the other one doesn't cool, like just figuring out mm-hmm. what feels good. So, yeah. Hmm. I like that. Um, like separating, like, I don't know. I think that's cool. I never thought of that one. Yeah. yeah. We've, I, I, my partner and I, we talk about like the whole like scheduling sex 
conversation. We talk about a lot of things that like we're like, okay, I couldn't see this ha- like opening the relationship yeah. and things like that. That like personally, we both said it's like it's not something I see happening anytime soon. Yeah. But like, let's start talking about it now so that yes. like if in the future we wanted to talk about like if we wanted to open up in a few years or something, like if we're still together, like uh yeah. let's let's start talking about it now because it's like it's a big yep. topic. And so we talk about stuff all the time and I I never knew how I felt about the scheduling one, but I don't know. For some reason, I feel like hesitation, but you're, yeah. you have way more knowledge on this stuff than me. So I'm like, and okay, I, like maybe, maybe yeah. I'll try it. I don't think it needs, like it totally can be because some people might need that for their life. Like if they have super yeah. busy schedules and maybe like that's how they think and they process, like they need to get kind of in their body and in their mind all day long to know that that's happening. But I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's just, it's different for everyone. And the best thing is just talking like like what you were saying I think is super important like topic talking hypothetically like it doesn't even need to be like whatever we talk about is happening just talking and just having conversations about sex keep sex on the table versus like we never talk about sex except for when we talk about how we're not having it because like just talking Mm. about it is sexy and fun and like it keeps you curious and engaged and so yeah that's something I definitely think is just like talking about it because the more you talk about it the more you're probably going to want to do it. And also the more it's actually on the table realistically than like a couple of weeks goes by and no one talks about anything. And then all of a sudden it kind of feels like there's pressure. And then like, you know, I think it's just kind of the keeping it loose in the conversation. Mm -hmm. That is uh, like when you said that earlier about like the only time you talk about it is if something's like wrong or something like that. Like, that is that is such a good, like, reminder. You know yeah. what I mean? Even, like I said, like, I feel right now in, in the phase I feel with my partner, like, I feel in, – in, it's seasons, right? Like, yeah. not everything's, like, you know. Yeah. Again, we've only been together four years. Like, but, like, I feel comfortable talking about it now. But it's, like, you know what? That is a good reminder that even in the times where, like, your sex does feel good, it's, like, yeah. still talk about it. You know, yeah. still prioritize, like, checking in. Hey, we're or good. Talk about like, why it's we fun do? or why you yeah. like it because then – if sex is always a negative conversation, that mm. kind of is going to impact your sex life too. Like if you're only, ta- whenever you talk about sex, only when something is wrong, that's not mm. very sexy. So then it kind of makes mm-hmm. like people feel like they can't come bring this up to their partners because it's like, oh, if I bring this up, it's going to be a bad conversation. So I think keeping it, I mean, obviously there might be some hard conversations, obviously throughout relationships, yeah. but like making sure that it's also fun and like you're checking in with each other. Like you were saying with your partner, like having check-in conversations like can be fun, especially if they happen like outside of the bedroom, I think like open a bottle of wine, sit on the couch and just like have a sex check-in and like that's sexy, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, we've covered a lot of ground. And we I did. am so glad that we like, I wasn't expecting us to go into the like religious part of things but I'm so yeah. happy we did that was like I've never really had a conversation like that before which oh. is like kind of funny because I talk about it like yeah. with like my friends I'm like oh I have Shane like like I grew up in this space but I don't know it just it was really cool to hear your perspective of how ingrained it seemed mm-hmm. or like how deep you were in it yeah. and then like now doing what you're doing I just think it's so cool and like your journey has been like the more I hear about it I'm like wow this is fascinating so you're just like a cool person so thank you so much fun i think it's funny we've never met each other before i know today. but even when we were like messaging i just felt like i like knew you i was like chill know, like, like it was just like hell. hey yeah um before we go though like 
is there anything you want to like highlight, um, like plug your account and like your services and things like that? And then if there's anything that's like kind of going on in your life that you want to share, like plug yeah, it here. Sure. Well, I am on Instagram at honest sexuality. I do coach. That is one of my part-time jobs is I really love working with people who are either in religion, trying to work through their sexual identity, not like even just their sexual identity, but just their sexuality in general as a whole, like that whole umbrella, like mm-hmm. discovering themselves in a new way um, or people who are deconstructing that kind of afterwards, either individually or in relationships, because I think a lot of time, a lot of these things don't surface until we're having to talk about them with other people. Um, so that's fun. I love working with couples. It's so much fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I do that. Um, I have like a Google form in my link on Instagram, if anyone's interested in working with me. Um, but yeah, I have some really fun ideas for honest sexuality. I have been kind of taking a little break from Instagram because Instagram has just been like whooping my ass. I just, I literally hate it. And I love that it's there. Like I love what it does, but I hate it. You know what I mean? I get that. So, I do know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm in the works of figuring out how to start like an online sex education magazine sort of thing. That would be cool. Ooh. I love like... <laughs> those kinds of things but okay this is very cool i fully support this yeah i i fully support i will also say like um i'm literally not blowing smoke but like (laughs) definitely i recommend checking out your page because like not only are your graphics fucking cool but they are like informative like i find your page is like a great resource for people right that's my hope i just want it to be like i want it to be all practical um yeah because i think sometimes it's like it's hard to figure out, like, I want it to be a go-to place where like, I have a question that I don't know about. And you can kind of scroll and be like, oh, this will help answer that question. Or this will help answer that question. Cause I feel like it's hard to find just really good, solid sex education that's accessible. And like, that's one thing Mm -hmm. about Instagram. That's amazing. is like, it's free for people to go on and have access to this stuff. So I think that is why I'll do it even if I hate it but you hate it yeah Yeah. (laughs) I just hate I get that what social media is becoming and like everyone's like you need to make reels now and I was like I literally refuse to I will not make reels. I'll make some reels as like jokes but like I don't know I personally love just because like if you're sitting next to the couch on like (laughs) next to someone on the couch and you're like on your phones and you're both like listening to videos at the same time I'm like that's annoying I just want to like read static posts like i don't know if that shows my I age completely but no i'm fully with you i like i don't like tiktok like it's scared tiktok is i yes. it scares the shit out of me it's way too polarizing and, and like, like so I, nothing crazy for like i yeah. don't know if it's like my adhd or what it is but like it's so i find it so hard to focus because it's like every video is so different and like the noises are so loud and i'm just like oh, god I'm a millennial, aren't I? <laughs> Mine's like every time I log off of that app, nothing makes me feel as shitty as like the time I log off of that app. And I'm like, wow, this is insane. But at the same time, it's yeah. the dopamine and like it's it fucks with me what so deeply that it's scary. <laughs> it's like it's a creature because it makes me like yeah. the minute the minute I get on it, 
like I'm gone for at yeah. least an hour, which is so embarrassing to say. And like I fucking I'm no, OCD I about feel that like shit. Most like, people would relate to that. Like, yes. Yeah. But then absolutely. at the end, it's like it's so polarizing. And then I log off and I'm like, wow, I feel like literally garbage. Yeah. So yeah. I know. And I think sometimes like, sure, it's helpful. I am personally someone who like, I mean, I love listening to podcasts and stuff, but I feel like when I'm listening to something. I need to be doing something. So again, I'm ADHD. So that's how I like retain information. But if I'm reading something, I retain things very well too. So like, I think for me, it's more helpful to read these complex ideas than it is to listen to someone say them in like a short Mm. 30 second video. So like, like I can fit way more info into a static post than I can into reels. And that's just like my personal, and I enjoy making them more because like I want to doodle and whatever. So it's like, Mm-hmm. That's just, I'm just going to keep doing that. I don't care what the algorithm does to me. <laughs> That's fine. I'll keep like, liking everything, blowing up <laughs> your page. You. you got me, you got me following. So. That's all I need. I just yeah. need one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. Um, they, honestly, Jenna, like, thank you so much for this yeah. conversation. It was great. So I'll thank have everything in the, in the description as well. Sweet. If you would like to further this conversation and get in touch, visit my Instagram at the curious one podcast. For more information, resources, and show notes, please head to thecuriousonepodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be well.